0: Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Caster Podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's MF Caster Lunch. Uh, today uh, I have the pleasure to uh, present to you uh, Marion Grau, our colleague, uh, who has uh, written or edited, co-edited a book about constructive theology, which recently, I think, uh, or just in the autumn or something, uh, appeared. And uh, we would love to hear uh, hear a little more about this book, uh, which, uh, as I understand from Arjen, tries to actually answer (laughs) or suggest some answers to the question, what is constructive theology, which is also the title of the book. And this is, as I uh, understand, a term that uh, seemed to, uh, uh, which is current and may replace, or uh, almost, uh, yeah, almost replace the, the more established term, systematic theology, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to hear more about that. And uh, uh, before I give the word to Marianne, I just repeat that we, uh, your questions and comments uh, after Marian's uh, talk uh, are most welcome and he, please use the, the uh, Q&A uh, function or write your question in the chat and I will moderate our conversation afterwards. So please Marian, tell us about what uh, constructive theology is.
0: Yeah, um, just, uh, I'm gonna share my presentation here. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's another day of Corona restrictions and so forth. So if it's, uh, thank you for uh, attending yet another Zoom meeting, uh, uh, which isn't always what we really want to do. But, um, so thank you for allowing me to talk today and, and think with you about what, what may constructive theology be. Um, so uh, one of the ways in which uh, one can address this is by asking a number of questions, where and when do people start to talk about constructing theology? And when? what are the locations at which constructive theologies emerge then and now? And then also, and this is what we wanted to really uh, do with the book, what are some of the commitments and methods that constructive theologians employ uh, I have tried throughout the book to, or for my own contributions, to avoid constructive theology as this thing, as if constructive theology was a person, but rather more what kinds of um, patterns, methods, and markers are people who work with or in constructive theologies using uh, in their work. And what we've then done is um, edit this book. Jason Wyman is. Um, PhD graduate from Union Seminary uh, in New York, and he's written a history um, on the term or the, the movement or whatever you want to call it, of constructive theology that is uh, also out. And so together with him, I collected a number of essays, 10 uh, on the history's methods and perspectives was, as uh, said earlier, published in 2020. If you're gonna only remember one thing, this is the slide. Constructive theologies could be um, summarized by saying that those are theologies that are uh, critical of power structures that are intersectional, that are uh, aiming to be interdisciplinary, that are of course contextual and that have liberatory goals. Um, this is the table of contents. I was going to just briefly uh, look at it and, and just say that it's three different parts in which it's uh, set up. Uh, Jason Wyman gives us the history. Uh, John Tataminel talks about theology as theopatics, namely as a construction, as, as something uh, human people, humans do. Then there's my essay on methodological themes and patterns in constructive theology. Uh, in part two, we have uh, Heike Peckrun, who um, writes on uh, the connection between body and knowing, epistemology, context, and hermeneutics. Shelley Rambo's chapter is on how constructive theologians have employed uh, biblical stories. Uh, Holly Hill Gardner writes on uh, comparative theology and how uh, a number of comparative theologians are, are doing uh, their work as constructive theology. Then we have Anthony Reddy from, um, from Britain, United, uh, United Kingdom, and uh, his Black theology, constructive Black theology in, in Britain. In part three, we have uh, a North American contribution from Laurie Cassidy on indigenous peoples in the category of land as a category of theology. We have uh, a Roman Catholic contribution, two Roman Catholic contributions here at the end. Uh, Lawrence Nronko is a Nigerian Catholic priest who is talking about an African constructive theology as a response to prosperity theologies that are kind of have taken over uh, his society. And Judith Gruber um, in uh, Belgium, at Leuven, Uh, writes about uh, Belgian colonial uh, history as the evidence of ghosts and constructive theology as apologetic theology coming to terms with the legacy of Belgian colonialism. So we've tried really as we could, uh, as much as we could to uh, expand the conversation. The constructive theological work group has its history is primarily uh, uh, from United States. Uh, but people uh, all across the world uh, in various contexts and across various uh, denominational or ecumenical contexts are using the methods of constructive theology or the themes and patterns. So I'm going to just quickly go into my, uh, my essay, uh, on, and uh, which lays out some of the markers. I'm going to skip through some of this. Um, just quickly, I here's material on what is the history. Um, we can say that the first time it shows up in print in the Uni- United States in 1914, the, sol- the, the term becomes solidified over time. In 1975, the Worker on Constructive Theology is formed. Uh, if you were looking for the name Gordon Kaufman, it's right there. Bernard Loomer, Gordon Kaufman, David Tracy. So we have Catholic, Protestant participation from the beginning. Um, uh, 2010 onwards, um, the term is increasingly used for as a replacement for the term systematic, a term many find and many of my students in the United States found the term systematic alienating, abstract or incomprehensible and I would always get questions of what, what, what is the system in systematics and, and it feels alienating, it feels scary, it's something, it's the class that we're most afraid of, I, I used to hear. Uh, So many theologians across the world do work that can be described as constructive theology, meaning it's contextual. There's critiques of injustice and abuses of power. uh, It's politically engaged, and it realizes that it's doing that. It's fostering justice and equality. It's involved in ecological theologies, intersectional approaches, and global theologies. But you, of course, may be doing something that we would recognize or is fine you know that's constructive theology even though you'd never heard a term or um are not necessarily considering yourself a constructive theologian. So it's it, it has to do with the kinds of questions uh people ask um and i'm going to skip over this one because I, I really want to stay within my time limit one of the ways in which i've described it is that theology is actually really mythology and in the sense that it has mythological and logical traditions that are engaged equally. Um, so myth is not something that's strange and theology also tries to reason through various different kinds of theological statements that exist throughout uh, the history of Christianity. It's open to different genres and expressions, creation, stories, poetry, Psalms, and tries to read them in respect of how, what kind of genre uh, these belong to. Uh, his, there, um, it's One of the markers is that it comes out of a historical and is committed to historical and critical inquiries. The historical antecedents are systemat- historical and systematic theologies and contextual theologies throughout history. In the early 20th century, it emerges among a group of primarily European-American theologians who consider critical inquiry into the history of faith, the best um, uh, work that they can do, and it also has impulses from liberation theologies of various kinds and ecological theologies. That's just is the, the sort of uh, lineage. Um, it's a metaphorical approach to theology. Uh, Sally McFaig famously has written metaphorical theology, which is one of the go-to texts to think about well, how does theological language work. There are impulses from um, the history of the via negativa, negative theology, the unsaying, that might be more appropriate mode of articulating theology uh, than the sort of confident propositional language. Um, Aquinas's and the uh, yeah, Entis, the way in which whatever we can say about God is always more unlike God than whatever we can say. So there's a certain sense of uh, humility of uh, the, the the recognition of the limitations of theological language and then um, the constructive theology then asks what kind of models images and metaphors are being used to describe divine and the, the divine and human world uh, constructive theologians re- realize that the they don't just you know that, that's not something that's unique of course to constructive theology but it's a um, sort of a a clear statement that theology has political implications, whether or not you oppose uh, or are in line with the governing um, sort of uh, um, uh, political situation in which you find yourself in. Just to quickly go through that, there is a commitment to liberation. Theology must consider the suffering of people and other members of the creation community and so forth. So we, there is the connection um, uh, and closeness to, uh, liberation theology and many people that uh, you know. You could be a liberation theolo- theologian, and you could uh, also be a constructive theologian. Uh, there's another marker that we could say that is the sense that it's polydox. There's any ecumenical drawing from many traditions. People are also borrowing from other people's tradition. The term polydox tries to name that uh, internally many traditions have multiple orthodoxies that might be equally valid. So it's trying to say these are accessible to us as as uh, uh, options in uh, the work of theology. It's contextual, as many people have argued. There is no all theologies are contextual, but in in addition, then this term intercontextual, which I came across first, actually at TAF. Uh, And it has to do with the sense that various contextual theologies should talk to each other inspire each other, because I could be doing my own contextual theology and it could be very, very narrow. And say that other contextual theologies are not relevant to me, but this is also to say that well as a white American Christian I don't have the same context black as black liberation theologians, but in order to come to a reckoning with racism, it is. A theology that's relevant to me. So this is kind of sort of what is the, the theology that's relevant to me in my in my context, not just the one that comes out of my context. Um, as much as possible, Kentucky theologians are dedicated to intersectional critical analysis that have to do with these factors. I don't, I'm not gonna name them, you can see them on the slide. Um, there are many that work in interreligious and comparative analysis. Uh, mutual learning across religious boundaries. Um, I don't think it's an accident, many comparative theologians are working with um, uh, constructive uh, methodologies, the sense of holy envy, that's perhaps something we can learn from other another religious tradition. Um, There's a marker that uh, has to do with resisting Christian triumphalism and supersessionism, an awareness of the history of Christian anti-semitism and the, the way in which it's very easy to just repeat that without necessarily having negative intentions. But there is a lot to be said about that and how Christian theologies have formed and articulate markers of Christian identity that have a built-in tendency for superstitionism. And here are my examples, which I'm not gonna elaborate now. Um, the, the constructive theologies are also committed to lifting up indigenous wisdom and eco-theologies Given the colonial history and complicity of Christian missions in destroying indigenous cultures, this is one of the important things to try to bring these voices uh, uh, to the forefront, uh, as we confront uh, challenges of um, climate change. Uh, It's generally involved in decolonizing theology so 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 not only kind of. uh, as a societal uh, movement, but, all, but primarily also to look at what are the ways in which um, our images for God have a tendency to map, uh, be mapped on imperial ideals of power. And how can we uh, critique these and, and, and find other ways of talking about uh, divine power that isn't just always mapped on imperial um, notions of power? Uh, it's <laughs> the one uh, typo I didn't catch interdisciplinary genres and styles, there are lots of ways in which theological expression um, happens it um, so there's an openness to that um, and then just quickly a lot, I think this is the last slide about where to um, and the next steps would be after this volume. We wanted this volume to kind of function as a way in which that allows people to read themselves into the work of constructive theology, understand what, what some of the what the term really wants to say, uh, and, and, and find ways in which that might be um, in, inviting uh, people into uh, that work across uh, denominational, ecumenical, and uh, geographical boundaries. I'm just gonna quickly then. Show the um as this this book is in a series of publications that I'm co-editing um called Rethinking Theologies Constructing Alternatives, which is sort of our attempt to broaden the conversation uh on constructive theology. And those are the the books that have been published already, MF's own Jan Olaf Henriksen as one of the first people um published in this series uh on helping us rethink uh, constructive theology also as having to do with practices. And that is the end of my um, presentation. Maybe, I, I don't know if it's, if I should uh, keep it up or not, um, but I um, then I'm open to questions or comments.